Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I am very pleased to have Erica Short. Erica is the global account-based marketing manager at CA Technologies. And I highlight that title because I think as most of you know, it is not that common of a title yet. So today what I wanna do with Erica is really talk about her journey into the role and really around the role and responsibilities as this emerging uh, position is you know showing up in more and more companies that are practicing ABM. And we'll get into the people uh, that are involved with ABM. We'll talk a little bit about the processes that she has put into place and the ones that she wants to still, as well as the technologies that she is using. So Erica, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Great to have you. Yes, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm sure if anybody pulls up your LinkedIn profile, they will see a lot of great stuff. One, a major commitment uh, to CA Technologies. You've been there six years. And I say that because, you know, those of us out in Silicon Valley see a lot of transient movement from company to company. But I do notice that in your career journey there, you've taken on many different roles. You started off, it looks like, in product marketing and then moved into field marketing and now in this ABM position. Um, What don't we know about Erica Short that we don't see on your LinkedIn profile? What's what's something we need to know about you that that we don't know looking just from your career journey? Yeah, so um, I am a huge basketball fan. Actually, my high school career, I was Miss Basketball for the state of Michigan. Uh, my husband and I are um, basketball coaches for, for both of our kids. And so that is one thing you won't find on my LinkedIn. But I think with that, um, athleticism comes competitiveness. So that's one thing that you probably won't be able to see on my LinkedIn profile. That's awesome. And so is Miss Basketball an official designation or is that a self-proclaimed designation? It is an official um, title. So they do um, every state um, in the Midwest has this title. And that's when we go to the McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's has a a game that takes all those Midwest Miss Basketball, and we have a tournament um, and get to play with each other. So that was a long time ago, but um, a title that I, I hold very near and dear to my heart. That's awesome. Well, you and I have uh, not only a lot of common connections, but we uh, are both alumni from Microsoft. And so uh, we've never had the chance to meet Eric and I yet. I think we'll have that time coming up at Dreamforce in a few weeks, but thank you again for joining the program. Last question, how tall are you since since you love basketball? <laughs> I am 5'5". Five 5'5". Five. Five so, five. Um, yeah, so not very tall, but very quick. And and like I said, um, I, I was a point guard, and it's just the competitiveness that comes out, I would say. That's awesome. That it doesn't have to do with height. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm five nine on a good day, and I have to say that of all the skills that I may have in life, basketball is not one of them. I am I would self proclaimed worst basketball player on the planet. Uh, if if I ever go and do a layup, it looks something like a bad ballerina dance, uh, b- ballerina leap, and it's it's not it's not pretty. So uh, I could learn a lot from you for sure. Yes, yes. 
It's terrible. The ball just smashes off the backboard and goes back to like half court. It's not, it's not pretty at all. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Let's, uh, let's jump in. So tell us, you know, turn back time and tell us how this whole ABM initiative kicked off at CA and how you wound up as their account-based marketing manager. I think it'd be great for people to hear for a lot of companies that don't have that role, just how this, how this begins and, and how it happened for you. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, you know, my role changed a lot over time at CA, and that had a lot to do with, um, you know, marketing staying aligned with the sales organization. So, you know, every fiscal year kind of, you know, leadership went back and saying, you know, what can we do better to better align our organization to our customers' needs and, and what's going on in the market? And, you know, we we went from, I went from a regional field marketer um, covering those regional salespeople, then to covering a specific product um, nationwide. And when we did that, and I started to be in these meetings and hearing what the organization was trying to better align to the customer's needs, um, I really started to create a passion for, you know, let's have a customer-centric marketing plan, and let's think about the customer and a few of us started meeting and talking about this, and when we saw that the sales team was going to dedicate um, a certain number of people to certain accounts and say, you know, these are our top enterprise accounts, kind of like the VIP accounts that we really want to have as many good hands on that we need to take care of them. There are current customers with us, but um, there's a lot more that we can do and grow within that account. Um, so we said, our marketing team said, well, we want to align our marketing organization to what the sales was going to do. And so we started talking about account-based marketing and how we would help support the sales organization to do that. So it wasn't just the marketing organization saying, we're gonna do account-based marketing. It was a collaboration between sales and the marketing organization saying, how can we better support our customers and their needs for these big customers that we're targeting and that we want to help grow their business? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we went back and said, you know, let's support the sales organization with these top accounts. But then the question came to is, well, what does that look like for marketing? Right. How many people do we need? How much budget do we need and resources? And it was definitely um, a lot of conversations and it was definitely a huge learning experience. If I could go back um, to that time a couple of years ago when we were first talking about this, um, I would have told myself to maybe slow down a little bit and start small and win those small pilot wins um, instead of going really big. And um, meaning when we first started this journey and we were aligning with sales, we said, yeah, we'll do ABM for 2000 of your, um, enterprise accounts globally. Yeah. So it was, you know, you kind of fall a little flat on that and we kind of had to go back and adjust and pivot based on what we were learning before we went, we went too big. Great advice. We'll dig into those a little bit more. I want to I want to come back to a couple of points that you make because one is love that your ABM strategy was targeted to the lower funnel and I right not not the upper the lower part of the upper funnel but actually your install base 
And one of the things that I'll be sharing at this upcoming talk that I'm doing at Dreamforce, which is uh, unboxing ABM, is I'm giving some recommendations on where to start. And the one that I say is the best place to start is exactly what you're doing, which is go to your install base. You know, the majority of companies' revenue comes from their existing base of customers. And one of the things, Erica, that I have seen our clients struggle with uh, when they're launching ABM initially is coming up with that set of targets. And so right. how how great is it to actually target your customers and define a certain segment of customers that have a certain product or a certain service and you want to upsell and cross-sell? So it's, you know, you already know who the companies are. You already have the contacts for the most part at that company. So you've got some of the important pieces that you need in ABM already likely in place for you. And so it's more like what you said about the plays, which is the next hard part, right? If you don't take time to think about how you're going to engage and what that cadence or set of plays looks like for the account uh, and just come up with a set of accounts before that, you get that mismatch, right? Hey, there's no way that we can support and service these accounts in the approach that we're hoping to take. So some really key points that I just wanted to underscore that you made as someone who's been a practitioner and gone down that for those that are just possibly getting started, which is where should you start your ABM strategy? How do you um, get that going? What was the alignment like with sales? Like, I mean, really digging into those meetings, uh, were they helpful in establishing the targets and giving recommendations on how to engage? Because I've, I've gotten very mixed feedback and seen very mixed experiences with sales' participation around this initiative. Yeah, absolutely. So they were sales alignment. And, and I want to remind you that it, it was an alignment in the sales organization and then us marketing coming and going, we're going to help support you guys in this. And they had already chosen their 2000 enterprise accounts. They're like, here's our top 2000 globally. Um, you know, here's our top 2000 that um, we want to support. And then we said, okay, well, we have to take that and kind of phase it out, if you will, or say, okay, we'll do one-to-one ABM for this many accounts, and we'll do one-to-few for this many accounts, and then the rest of those 2,000 that don't fall into those top two tiers will um, be a one-to-many approach. And when we did that, it was the selection of the one-to-one and the one-to-few accounts where we were going back and forth. And it was that alignment with sales was like you said, and we kind of got both very supportive people from sales. And we um, also received um, salespeople being like, Nope, I don't need it. We're fine. You know, you can put us in the, in the one to one to many kind of category because this is a customer of ours. We have great relationships with them. We don't need this, this extra support for marketing. And so we did receive a, a, a little bit of back and forth, but it was the choosing of the target accounts for the one-to-one to the mm-hmm. one-to-few tiers that was going back and forth. And we did an analysis, um, marketing did, um, working with our operations team on a ton of different data to understand, you know, the predictive analytics of, you know, who's, who, where do we have low-hanging fruit for these cross-sell and upsell opportunities? But it also was, who are current customers with us that we want to keep current customers with the products that they have? Are they on the latest releases? 
Um, do we need, you know, is it shelfware? And looking at that install-based data, looking at the predictive analytics and, and coming up with um, accounts that we say, here's where we feel we want to do one-to-one -one for these accounts based off of these metrics. And then, you know, here's the ones we want to do one-to-few. And then we went to sales to get their approval. And that's where it was more of a conversation with sales where they provided some some knowledge and, and information to us that we can't get from the data mm -hmm. and kind of saying, yep, that data is right, but actually we have this going on or this is moving up here, so I would put them in this tier. And it was, it was when we had the sales support of picking out those target accounts, it, there was a lot of back and forth, there were some hard conversations, um, but it was us having to stick to, we can only do this with the resources that we have, or this is what we're trying to do. Let us accomplish this first and then move um, to the next phase uh, and be able to scale out a little bit more. So there were hard conversations with sales, but it was once we had the sales team that wanted to support this and wanted us to support them um, and their initiatives with, um, with their customers, the conversation became a lot easier. Um, it was just, it was a collaborative approach to the target accounts for those different tiers. And it was a collection of data analysis, but also just open meeting conversations with sales and leadership to decide. Um, we brought that quantitative data, mm -hmm. but then we also had to do a qualitative analysis working with sales on, on that to choose the target accounts. And, and who else besides sales was, let's call them key stakeholders, or at least involved in the initiative? How cross-functional? What other departments is, I guess, what I'm asking? Yeah, so um, key stakeholders. So this has been an evolving um, learning experience across the board since I've been in this position because it started out, hey, we just need marketing and the salespeople. That's all we need. We're we're good to go. We have sales approval and support. We have everybody that we need. And um, as we started to build and execute and scale out our ABM strategy and approach, um, I started to quickly learn that we need more than just sales and marketing in in this um, in this program. And it was. I need the customer success team. Mm -hmm. I need operations to help me with the data that I need and reporting out on it. And I need the, I need other part departments of marketing. So, you know, it's not just field marketing and sales. It's, I need the digital team. I need the corporate team. Um, I need all these different members to help me um, build this out so I can execute across all the different channels of marketing successfully and not just what people think in their head of field marketing as far as events and webcasts. Like there's so much more that as this customer is going along their journey, all the different people that they touch here at CA, they touch, you know, the customer success team, the customer support team, um, all different um, departments of the marketing organization and the sales team and the extended sales team, your inside sales team as well. So we started to to realize that that you know again we have to take a customer centric approach and remember all the different parts of the journey that the customer goes through and who they're touching and communicating with and what they're interacting with and we need to make sure that they know what we're doing 
and that they're part of that plan and that they understand where we are at in the process. And um, they're getting reports on what's happening and they're communicating to us when um, they're working on something with the customer. So we really had to open up those lines of communication across those different cross-functional teams um, to really achieve success to understand, um, are we achieving what we laid out for these customers? Um, what roadblocks are we running into? And so we just started to realize we had to open a lot yeah. of other doors um, with with some other teams other than just marketing and sales. Makes so much sense. Um, something I've been talking a lot recently about, and I think I'll just keep the drumbeat going, is that if you think about the companies today in this era, this I'm going to call it this digital era, right, where we can engage with prospects and buyers 24-7, that the companies that are going to win, the companies that are winning, are really doing a phenomenal job at attracting and engaging and delighting and retaining their customers. And that doesn't happen just between sales and marketing, as you point out. Service and product plays such an important role in those aspects. So if you're saying, hey, listen, we really want to attract the right customers and we want to engage them in very effective, meaningful ways 24-7 and we want to delight them and we want to retain them and have them be raving fans, it's got to be cross-functional. And all too often we see people embarking on an ABM strategy as just, you know, like it's for them it's like an evolutionary thinking of lead gen. So back in the day, marketing generated leads, threw them over the wall to sales. Sales politely told us how much our leads suck and that they need more of them. And you know, then along comes lead management so that we can maybe change that uh, dynamic and process right and add scoring and nurturing and better engagement. And so ABM, I see so many people go, okay, so the natural extension now is to talk at an account level and then aggregate context underneath. And while you need to do that, this isn't just a process between sales and marketing, and especially when it's the uh, the lower funnel. I want to ask some some personal questions, if I can. Um, your background, so just at CA alone, right? You've got several years' experience in product marketing, right? So you think about the product and the go-to-marketing strategy as a product marketing manager, and you also were in field marketing, which are very targeted efforts, right? And and often mm-hmm. uh, face-to-face efforts. Where where I'm going with the question is coaching and guidance for others that maybe want to go on the career path you are on now in ABM. How did those roles uh, pay dividends in terms of developing your expertise and cross-functional expertise um, in the role that you're in now? Yeah, so, so great question. So one of the things, and, and I'm just, I, I'm going to keep going back to it is, you know, how do we be, how can we be more creative to get the customer to engage? Um, as we all know from, from being in marketing, um, no matter which role, product marketing, field marketing, corporate marketing, um, digital marketing, it's how can I get them to engage with this content how can I get them to convert? How can I keep them moving along? And so we were coming up with, you know, in the in the field marketing role, you know, we couldn't get anybody at live events anymore. And so we had to think of di- different digital ways to engage with them, you know, virtual events and, and different things like that to get new leads. And then from a product marketing perspective, you have to think of what great piece of content and message 
can I create to deliver to get them to engage and convert and get new leads and prospects going? So it's that creative mindset in those two different fields that you have to understand how can I get them to engage? And when I came into this role, it really, that um, determination to and creativity obviously helped play a role, but it's also, again, going back to the customer and being targeted with what we're doing. And when I was in product marketing, sometimes we focus so much on the product and kind of the user that we forgot about um, the problems that the customers were having that we could help solve for and messaging that way. And when it came, when I came over to account-based marketing, we said, okay, what is this customer trying to achieve? Not Mm -hmm. what can our product achieve? What can, what's the customer trying to achieve? And let's message to that customer based on the challenges that they're facing and how did they make their customers um, successful and, and kind of just, again, bringing in that customer-centric mindset to get them to engage more. And we started to see, we, we had to think of it like from a B to C um, instead of a B to B at me as a consumer, how do I engage more? And it was that personalization, you know, um, customer experience that, oh, they know that I own this product. They know that I'm having this challenge that we're trying to achieve this, that we um, in our, you know, investment meetings that we're, our CEO is talking about this and taking this company to the next level. And here CA is messaging to me that way. And they know what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to, um, achieve to be successful at my job. And it was those different things that I got from those two different roles that mm-hmm. brought over to account-based marketing to say, let's think of the customer and let's make sure that that messaging that we have from product marketing and those assets are where they're at in their journey and what, how we want to message to them to engage. And then let's take field marketing, working with sales and making sure that they understand what we're doing when we're doing it and coming up with a creative mindset of how can we get them to engage and what does this customer like to engage with based on where they're at. So it's those different things that I got from those from those roles that brought to that I brought to the ABM. Makes role. sense. Makes sense. Talking about the role, um, maybe this is hard to do in real time, but if you were describing the responsibilities, right? Almost writing your job description for an ABM, <laughs> what would be some of those bullet points as you understand the role today? Yeah. So, um, and the bullet points just, just keep on adding up, um, um, as we evolve and go, you know, um, through this journey, but a a lot of it is coming up, you know, having a creative, um, customer centric mindset and being able to, um, run into an obstacle and figure out a solution and not get, um, discouraged in that. I mean, this, ABM, as we know, it's, it's a really hot topic right now, and everybody is trying to find the answer with all these different agencies and, um, and vendors and saying, hey, give me the one template that I need to fill out so I can do account-based marketing. And as I'm learning through my journey and, and talking to other peers that are trying to do it too, is it's not one size fits all. Right. Um, we have to pivot and change as the market does yeah. and um, as the dynamic way of that companies are, you know, every company is, 
is different. They have different products. They have a different selection of products. We have a ton here at CA and it was trying to figure out and, and knowing you have to go into it, knowing that um, it's not one size fits all. And you can take some, some templates down. You can do a lot of research that definitely helped me, but it was also being able to take that and knowing that, oh, but it says here that I have to do it this way according to serious decisions. This is what they said, so we have to do it that way. And you have to have a the creative mind and be, um, a, you know, you have to be able to solve issues and problems when they come up because it is not, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, you have to have the mindset of this is constantly evolving. Yeah. You're learning. You have to work with cross-functional teams. You know, and you have to be really set on defining what the success measures look like, setting up that defining ABM for your organization and sticking to what you set out and said you were going to do. And the reason that's so important is because once you do start executing and other teams are seeing what you're doing and they're not part of it, they'll be like, oh, we'll just add my account in there. Oh, let's let's add some more accounts. It looks like you're having a lot of success with this. Can you just add these few more? Let's make it, hey, make sure, or product marketing, uh, make sure my product's in there. I'm pushing this right now. And you have to have those hard conversations to say, hold on, I'm doing this right now. This is what we're focused on. Let us execute this to the end. And then we can come back and revise and, and scale as needed after we do this. And you, you have to have those hard conversations because everybody wants a piece of the pie once you start executing and showing those results. You know, for a guy who uh, self-proclaimed uh, is horrible at basketball, I just want to point out that when you describe your role, it sounds a lot like the role of a point guard, right? I mean, you're the leader of the team and you have to have all these skills and facilitate um the coordination across the team. So maybe that maybe this started for you way back uh, on the on the court. It's such such a such a coordinating role. Let's talk about tech. We we that kind of weaved in a, in a few places. The what's in your wallet? Uh, you know what what tech are you finding is useful? I'm sure you've had some valuable lessons there about what didn't work for you or where you're not getting necessarily the value. Someone said to me the other day, Erica. They said, "Can't you really just do ABM?" with your CRM. And I said, in some cases, potentially. I mean, I love the fact that you said everybody's got their own recipe, right? You've you spoke at the Serious Decision mm-hmm. Conferences, you've spoke at the Demand-Based Conferences, and I like the fact that you're saying, you know, there's not one recipe for how this works, and it's an evolving set of practices and processes. Uh, are you finding there are some table stakes technology? I mean, clearly the marketing automation system and your CRM play a role in every um, digital marketing environment, but are there other tools that you have found as ingredients that are helpful that you consider either table stakes or just useful tools worth looking at? Yeah, um, absolutely. So what, when I first started, um, in this role, you know, my manager said, go to the serious decision conference and, and do some research and talk to the vendors and, and see what best fits for us when we're starting out. And, um, I, Demand base was one that really stood out at the at the conference, and it was because they were their whole platform is dedicated to to account based marketing. And so I started with them and their technology. And one of the things that was really attractive to help us in what we were trying to achieve in those early stages was 
I need more account specific information, Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, Salesforce, CRM, Marketo, they give us information on that lead and contact um, based on what they actually engaged in. But I go to websites and I don't fill out a form every time. I don't engage with the content. I might click around a little bit when I'm looking for something. And I needed that insight from our accounts to understand, are they coming to our site and not converting? And Demandbase was able to um, integrate with our Adobe Analytics in order to give us that account-specific information to where I could align that and say, okay, we know that this account owns this product. They're, we know that they have a renewal coming up and they're not, they haven't been coming to our product roadmap sessions. They're not even going to our community pages. They haven't been clicking around. This is kind of a red flag. Or this is a target account for our security products and they're not coming to our website, but we see that they're doing all this research outside of our website, but they're not coming to, to learn more here. So that's a gap as well. So that was extremely helpful for us to give us that um, additional insight that we didn't have before. Um, That was extremely helpful, but also the personalization and experience that they were um, able to provide on our website to get them to engage more. Mm -hmm. So that was another product that, that helped us. And then um, they also, we also purchased their um, personalized display ads that they do. And it's very targeted and, we started small with them and we saw some great results. And actually, they have now expanded out just beyond our ABM efforts here at CA. They're actually working very closely with our corporate team and with our data scientists um, because of the um, data analysis information that they're able to provide. Um, and also working with our corporate team on um, being more strategic and targeted with our display um, and advertising that we do. So. Really exciting um, to work with them. Some of the other things, obviously, just the data, like you said, CRM is so incredibly important. Can you do it alone with CRM? I mean, there's a lot you can do, but um, we, we needed that additional insight. And we wanted to create a great customer experience across the different channels, no matter where they were on our website and no matter which channel they were crossing, not just Marketo mm-hmm. with emails. Um, or webcast, we wanted them to have that personalized experience across the board. So, so we needed the help of Demandbase and their tools to help us with that. And um, they also help us with um, reporting on the tools that they provide for us and have become a great partner. The other one is in Engageo. Um, we, we haven't signed the dotted line yet, but we, um, I'm very intrigued with their technology and how it integrates into um, a lot of CRM tools to give us that account score and that account um, engagement information um, right in your CRM. So that's another one that uh, we've been talking to them quite a bit um, because it's kind of that next level that we're trying to get to to help us scale out more and provide that reporting and information that we need within um, our CRM tools. Sounds good. Helpful insights. You know, I know that... um... You know, some of the things that you mentioned is I needed a tool, right, to do firmographic enrichment, right? Needed more information at the account level. Um, most of our clients also need a tool to do contact enrichment, either adding contacts 
that are at the accounts or just information about the contacts. And then you talked about personalization. I want to I want to drill into that. Well, and then ended with uh, your evaluation going on with uh, Engageo to roll things up, right? Because the CRM, even though if you have you know a system like Salesforce, when you convert leads to contacts, right, they're associated with the account. But if you're putting data on the contact records like engagement scores and other things like that, it doesn't roll up to the account unless you code it uh, to do that stuff in Salesforce or use a tool, like you said, a platform like Engageo. On the personalization, Correct. let's say, let's paint a picture uh, in our minds that on one end of the spectrum, we have highly personalized content, you know, almost one-to-one, if you will. Dear David, dear Erica, visuals, uh, you know, Las Vegas is great at this, I'm using Las Vegas as a, as a whole, but let's just say that, that MGM and certain uh, companies that I'm familiar with, you know, if, if you've gone to Vegas and you're into poker tournaments or food or spa, you know, the direct mail pieces that you get from them have imagery and content specific to your interest. So that's what I mean by they're really good at that. So I'd put that over on the very left, highly, highly personalized one-to-one content. And then on the very right, is the super generic, you wrote this copy for everybody, uh, but there's no personalization. Where are you in that spectrum, and are you trying to move you know, more left, more right? Uh, because you know, one of the other challenges with ABM, right, is that if you want to do personalization, it's hard enough just to get your content done for the masses, let alone doing personalization, and that is often a key ingredient in making ABM be a success. So where are you guys on that part of the journey? Yeah, so great question. So where we are at is we're not all the way over to Las Vegas. We're a little bit in the middle. We're not just generic and just putting your company name or your industry um, on the content um, and calling it personalization, calling it a day. We're right in the middle. And what I mean by the middle is we are when these target accounts come to our website, any content that they receive um, from us, whether it be an email, invited to a webcast, invited to CA World, that messaging is consistent with what we all outlined and agreed on for that account. Mm-hmm. That imagery is consistent with any channel that they go across. So um, the way we clustered it here at, at CA for where we are at in, in ABM right now is we clustered it by business objective, meaning I am, and some people cluster it by industry, some people cluster their accounts by um, by size um, or what have you, but we actually clustered it by business objective. And it all depends on what you can do and execute at a personalization level, depending on the resources that you have, not just how many people are on the ABM team, but how many people can I get to help me from the corporate marketing team to help me execute this personalization? How many people can I get from the product marketing team to help me create new content and messaging that is aligned to to what we're trying to execute? So we um, are able to do a few tactics here right now, and the way that we were able to scale out was by clustering by business objective thing. These cluster of accounts after all these planning meetings we've had with sales to understand where this account is in their journey, all of these accounts right here are trying to achieve you know, business agility. And this is where they're at in their journey with us. So they're going to receive this plan and this personalization. So 
we know that they would like these tactics and we know that they would, here's the imagery that we want. No matter where they're at with us, that's um, the personalization that we want them to receive. I keep hearing so much of that expertise that you have in product marketing, you know, in the, in the approach that you're taking, um, such, such a useful skill. And, you know, one of my hopes with this podcast is right. So they, they, they get to hear who Erica Short is, how she thinks, how she works, what it takes to be successful in this role, the tools and, and the processes. I want to wrap up with, um, cause I could talk about this forever with you. And again, we'll continue the conversation when I see you in a couple of weeks, um, is about the payoff, right? So you've been doing this now, and you certainly focused on the install base and the expanding role. How's it, how's it coming in terms of, you know, is it getting you more budget? Are you getting resources? Are you able to show impact and success to keep building upon this initiative at the company? Love to hear how that, that's going for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So not only is, are we getting um, more budget and more resources so we can scale out, but more team members across different teams want to be a part of it. They want to learn more about it. They want to implement and, you know, we're, we're kind of calling it account-based everything. And it's not just, you know, it's, hey, Erica, we know that we don't have, we can't do the one-to-one, but just some of that small personalization, can we actually just include it in our tactics or teach me more about this? That's, that's really exciting for me, and that's what um, kind of drives my passion around it is seeing what we have done so far, how we've evolved. We're seeing great um, successes out of it um, on the books, and sales is talking about it. We're getting more budget, but more and more people want to learn more about it and be a part of it. And so that's helping in general when we're reaching out and we need to extend the team for things that we're trying to execute and strategize and plan people are now more willing to raise their hand and they want to learn more. So that's been probably the most exciting thing is where we started from, where it was hard to get people to help us. And they're like, Oh, it's just another special project that the teams are trying to, to execute. You know, I'm busy over here doing this. And once we started to communicate our plans and we started to communicate our successes and, um, we started to see more people raising their hand and wanting to be part of the team. So that's been really exciting. That's great. It's great that you're getting more resources for it. You know, when you look at sales, I was talking with uh, my buddy Doug yesterday, also in the industry. Shout out to Doug Davidoff. Um, and we were talking about sales leaders and that sales leaders, you know, it's like Game of Thrones. They want to build the largest army they can. They almost, there's a there's a sense of status, almost ego and uh on the size of the sales team, right? They're not really trying to necessarily always compress themselves down to the shortest number of salespeople. And he was talking about, you know, how, how sales managers uh, look up at each other's offices and count the ceiling tiles. And he who has the most or she who has the most ceiling tiles um, is is the biggest leader, right? And we in marketing, we're just, just a scrappy bunch, always trying to get more budget and justify the investment and expenses. We don't have the luxury of like, hey, just give me more people and I'll generate more pipe and revenue that sales often get. So I think it's important that you're seeing and demonstrating the success so that you can get more investment and resources because it's costly, especially to do personalization, right? I mean, that's costly in time and resources. It's costly to invest in these tools and technologies and pilot them and try them out and see what works and what doesn't and consume uh, just people's time, the resources in the company. Any um, 
final lessons learned or pitfalls to avoid to share that you can think of as you've gone down this journey that that others would get value from hey don't don't do this or 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 um think about this or, yeah. or watch for this to come up yeah I, I would say the um as i said in the beginning of the conversation is start small don't um think that you have to go big and um and try to figure out there always start small and just stick to lay out your successes first, um, communicate that out. This is what we're trying to achieve with the small um, pilot and really stick to that. And um, don't get those bullies or um, other people that are like, well, you have to do this, you have to do this. Um, create that plan, um, define your success measures and communicate that out and start small and, and get those small wins first. And because like I said, it's not one size fits all. You're not going to print out a template, fill it out, and then you guys are doing account-based marketing. And it's, it's that way. It's, it's very, very dynamic um, and it's changing and, and you're learning as you go. So start small and um, define that, communicate it out and stick to that plan. Love it. I also love, I'm going to come back to the word you use called clusters. And you know, when you were saying it, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I want to underscore the taxonomy is super important. I often see people take approaches and they call them tiers. Uh, and tiers connotes almost a priority or preference. And if you use taxonomy around segments or clusters, as Erica does, you, you're certainly going to have, I think, a, a, you're doing group persona identification, right? You're saying this is a segment Correct. of our account, so so way better to use that. And, and sometimes little things are everything, right? Just changing some of the taxonomy helps people to understand what we're doing, where tiers sounds like, okay, well, these are our really biggest accounts where they're the most revenue potential, so they're tier one, and then these accounts are tier two. Sales naturally kind of goes down that path. That's not necessarily the path you want to take. As you said, everybody's recipe book is a bit different. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. Um, really always love doing podcasts like this with practitioners like you where you can share the recipes. One of the best podcast episodes of 2018 is the one that I did with Scott Burns where it was how to lead a marketing operations team. So I think if you, know, if you haven't listened to that one, go back. And share this one, uh, you know, with with um, anyone in your organization. If you're thinking about going down the ABM journey or thinking about the career yourself, you can clearly tell that Erica's um, enjoying her role and is learning a lot by doing it and acting as that that point guard for the team. So, Erica, thanks again for uh, being on the program. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. As always, I hope you find the content useful, and I look forward to catching you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 